Welcome to Dynamic Thriving Podcast. I am your host, Mary Ann Pack, spiritual guide into all things life transformational. And today I have a special guest, my dear friend and colleague, Nancy Berger. Welcome, Nancy. Thank you, Marianne. Thanks for having me. I am so glad you are here. Nancy and I met in the Ladies Power Lunch. So if you ladies are looking for a group that intentionally supports one another, uh, you can go on Facebook and look for Ladies Power Lunch or you can go to their website, ladiespowerlunch.com. So let's jump right in, Nancy. Who are you and what good do you bring into the world? I am a writer by trade, uh, a mom, a sister, uh, a partner. uh, And I have been writing about so many different things over the past 25 years, including, you know, business, finance, uh, magazine features, art features, radio scripts. Um, The good I bring to the world now is I've dedicated myself to helping people identify and shift their fear-based thoughts. And that comes from a long career of fear-based thinking of my own. (laughs) So (laughs) what I've done is, you know, cultivated strategies over the last decade that have helped me change everything uh, in my life, really. And they were so effective and so helpful in reducing suffering and making me feel better in my skin that I became uh, committed to teaching other people these strategies and helping reduce some of the suffering that I see. That is so important. We are such a fear-based society. We have fears about everything and that creates such stress in our bodies that our bodies get unhealthy. And they definitely dis-ease. There's dis-ease in our body. There's an imbalance of our energies. And we do not have to live that way. We can thrive. So you call yourself a, a fear strategist. Tell us yeah. what that is. What does that look like? So it's a the the reason I came up with that name is because it sort of quickly communicates that there are strategies to living with your fear and your Mm fear-based thinking. And there's ways to shift it. So often we believe that our thoughts are just our thoughts and they're fact and they're there for good and we can't change them or control them. And so a huge part of my teaching that goes to the core of my philosophy and my work is that we have had the power all along to change these thoughts not feelings your feelings are what they are but your thoughts you can change and as soon as people grasp that concept they can shift a lot of things in their life a lot of energy a lot of dynamics so fear strategists seem to encapsulate the whole thing and you know but having said that mary it's important to note that you know a lot of our work you were just talking about disease a lot of the work in my work i integrate energy medicine and breathing techniques and different things to weave together the body and mind, you know, the, the connection, which is just not debatable, right? So it, it's, but but strategy is part of it. And then, you know, how we treat our bodies is another part of it. Love that. I, I love that. And I, a lot of times around thinking and stuff, I, I teach that, you know, our, our emotions tell on our thoughts every time because yes. the, the emotions are created by what we've been thinking. And if we don't like how we're feeling, that we have that opportunity to change those thoughts. 
to start to look, you know, strategize and figure out how we can feel better with our thoughts. So our, our um, topic today is navigating your fear-based thinking. So I love this. I love that we have some tools and she's going to teach us some strategies around how to deal with our fear-based thinking and how we can get back into a more joyous, thriving uh, type of life. So what drew you into this work? Because I know our mess is our message. And um, certainly I can attest to that. So I love that. I love that. Expression. What has your mess been that has created this message? Well, one of the one of the things I do with clients, and I am going to answer the question, is I have clients fill out a fear journey template, a, a sort of a resume of their fear relationship, right? And what that is, is different events and experiences in your life that bring you, cultivate this relationship you have with fear. So for me, that is a journey of, you know, different challenges that manifested in a lot of fear-based thinking. The first one being an eating disorder that I developed at a, as a 15-year-old which plagued me for 30 years, three decades. And um, mental health challenges that were diagnosed later in life, in my 40s, after I'd had my children, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So a lot of um, under, trying to understand and unpack the way I tick, what makes me tick, the way I work, right? My brain and my body. And I raised a, a child with special needs uh, and, and, and wrote a book, a parenting book about that because it was all new to me. And that was a huge challenge for our family, uh, a, a labor of love and, and we all navigated it, but, but, and then in, in my fifties, a huge, you know, that was the pivot point where I hit bottom where, you know, a lot of mental health challenges, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of fear-based thinking that kept me from facing the things in my life that weren't working, including my marriage, which I ended after 27 years. So all of those little road road signs, I call them, led to my fear journey and my relationship with fear. And at the sort of, it hasn't ended yet, right? But along the way, I developed these strategies and they started really making big change for me in the last decade. And Today, I am completely medication-free. I am living the life that I want. I am extremely healthy and happy, and my family is as well. What better, right, testament to the efficacy of, of, of strategies. So that's what, why I got so excited about teaching them. I love that. And I certainly, with my background in a very conservative, evangelical-type Christian church, that created so much fear in my life. Yeah. Um, working through that and recovering from that religious trauma has been so tremendous for me to find peace and to find joy and to find happiness. And that I don't have to live in that constant nagging fear and being in shame and guilt and you know constantly looking over my shoulder uh, I'm so glad you, 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 yeah, this, that's so powerful because it really underscores the whole idea of creating the reality that you want, right? Mm -hmm. But first you have to be able to identify those forces, those, those things that are affecting you, 
you have to be able to identify them first. Right. That's not easy to do. So it's very, it's powerful that you share that, that story. Yeah. So I'm sure, you know, your, your um, assessment, what did you call it? Your, is there I, a, a the, the fear? Fear journey. Fear journey. Um, you know, just being able to, you, does that help your clients identify some of those fears? It's the first step and it's a hard one. It is a hard one. Yes, it does help them. It always helps them. But what, what I've learned is that in large part, not everybody, you can't generalize, but a lot of people take for granted that the stuff that's in the past, they can just let go of. It doesn't necessarily work that way. So it, sometimes a conversation, a coaching session will come down to a conversation somebody had with a family member when they were a kid at the holiday table, Absolutely. you know, or like uh, something that happened in school on the playground or something that really stuck with them so that they remembered it, but they stuffed it down for so long. They got really good at thinking they forgot it, but it bubbles up, right? These things bubble up and they pull strings and they affect the way we show up in our lives, even when we think they don't. So that first step of finding the fear is crucial for the rest of the work. So everything sort of builds on the thing before. Yes. And don't you think there, there's layers to our fears? Because like you said, so many things happen in our childhood that create that fear. Yeah. And then another incident a little bit later in life kind of build off of that. And yes. so as somebody's coming through this fear journey, they're actually unlayering those years of trauma. Right. Uh, I call it. Yeah. I call it unpacking. We're unpacking all sorts of things. Absolutely. And yeah. And, you know, the first family dynamics you grew up in, what was modeled to you as a child and believe me, this is not about blame or pointing fair. This is just about understanding, mm -hmm. embracing what our reality, embracing ourselves, accepting ourselves for who we are, and then using that as a springboard for, for a courageous path. It's powerful and it, you know, it's really helpful when you let go of whatever meaning you're attaching to things and just identify them and then understand how best to move forward with what you have. So how did you create the strategies that you teach within your coaching system? How did you come up with those strategies? Because it, it's that's a creative work. You know, yeah. you did that creative work around what gave you relief, what gave you, you know, that life of thriving. Yes. And I created them through a lot of different. First of all, there was research. I, I read a lot and studied a lot about how we process fear. The neuroscience is fascinating to me. Yes. And there's so much research, particularly in the last decade about the brain that is just mind boggling. I also, I also consulted with a lot of trusted people, guides, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, intuitives, uh, coaches. Like I just got really curious about how the world sort of, you know, operates in this fear-based thinking zone. And I were, and I've been in therapy myself for so many years and I have such a trusted, you know, support system for my mental health that those people really did help add that layer of, 
you know, um, clinical uh, data, uh, what works, how the brain works. Like I wove it all together to come up with these strategies. Um, and some of them were used for me in therapy over the years. And then I kind of just, you know, tweaked them a little bit and made them my own. I love that. Yeah, I'm definitely, I love to study. I love to research. So, you know, the way the mind works is it, it is such a fascinating, fascinating study. And the, yes, I, I just, I love that. I love that approach that, that you're taking it all. And then yeah. creating what works best. And then I would think you almost even have to tweak it a little bit for, for your clients. Yes. Because their approach or their fear is going to be so different from someone else. So does, is there a difference there? Yes. There, you, you, it, it's, a, it's very, and, and I get a question a lot around, well, how long does it really take somebody to shift their fear-based thinking using your strategies? Yes. That it is just not a one size fits all uh, method. I it there are basics that everyone you know finds helpful, but it really is unique to that person and their particular journey. And to your point, Marianne, how many layers there are because some people really have to unpack an awful lot before they can even get started. And honestly, for some people, the best thing I can do for them is to help them find the right fit in a clinical therapist for a while before they're even ready to, to do the work that, that I'm offering. So sometimes that's the best service I can provide is helping find that right fit for them. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was just, this made me kind of think about, you know, how my fears, even as from childhood up with all the health issues I had for so many years and then realizing I had created most of it by you know, the, the fear that I had as a child and growing up. And um, because now coming, you know, out of all of that and healing, I don't have any of that. So Isn't it amazing? Do you see in your clients that as they heal the fears that they actually, their bodies are improving. They're yes. well-being. That's yes, what I, that's what I noticed. Too. And and it's a it's such a surprise to some people that, mm -hmm. oh, I guess it is all really connected. Oh, without a doubt, okay. it's all really connected. But it's almost like when you have a lot of fear based thinking and you're mired in it, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy almost like oh, you're, yes, you know, yes. and then when you start to think differently, sometimes we can't even connect the dots like, oh, I'm not having as many headaches or I'm not having as many panic attacks or I'm not, you know, I, I'm feeling better in my skin. I have more energy, like all these things. And sometimes even then people don't connect the dots. And, and of course it's not an exact science and I can't say because you did A, B is gonna happen. But when you take the whole picture, you look at the big picture and, and I'm a example of that because I took psychotropic medication for 17 years. 17 wow. years wow. and you know the the ailments i was having you know we didn't who knew which had to do with the meds which had to do with my mental health which had to do with my divorce like who knew yeah. but now i can tell you i feel better than i have felt in 20 years yes. i don't believe in coincidence you know i i just don't i believe in you know intentional life purposeful life and making changes that 
feel good for you, whatever they may be. So long answer, but it's very unique. You know, every client is different. Every group is different. Every, every fear is different. Oh, absolutely. And I think about, <clears throat> I had reached out to the natural world for supplements and some, 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 my initial, after I crashed in 93, um, 1993, when I crashed and had my mental breakdown because of all the drugs that I was on for all the different uh, migraines and autoimmune diseases and everything, and uh, marched myself into a health food store and told the owner to fix me. That started my wellness journey, but my well being really didn't kick in until I did the work of mindset transformation. So, you know, yeah, so for the last, I don't even know when it was that I felt bad because at 62 now, I just feel really good. And, you know, if somebody had looked at my medical records back in my, when I was in my thirties and I crashed, they would have said, she doesn't have a chance in hell. She's going to have a terrible life or she's just not going to be around very long. Um, so I am so happy. And you know, it's the thing about it, that is what you just said that I found powerful is you knew you, you wanted to change things and you were looking for that external help, right? The extra, the supplements and the, and, and I went through the same thing, went to the naturopath and did all until I worked on the internal, there was nothing that was going to really get me over the, the hump. There wasn't that thing that was going to help me. There's no magic pill, right? So, once I did the internal work, it's like, you know, it's like teaching someone to fish. It's like, then whatever fear-based thoughts crop up, whatever, and they still do, you know, they, of course, all, every day, all the time. But now I talk to myself differently and I can shift them because I have the tools. So the tools are, they just apply to all different areas of life. You know, I work with parents, I work with, you know, salespeople, you know, on their, professional journey. I work with people in relationship stuff, corporate communicate. I mean, it applies to everything, but once you have the tools, it doesn't matter what area you're, you're struggling and you can use the tools. So that's liberating. That's, that's liberating. Very much so. Very much so. So how is this kind of approach different than what some other coaches would do? Because I think we all have to deal with you know, underlying fears and things that people have come to us with. Mm -hmm. um, but speak to us a little bit about how this might be a little more unique or different. The, the running narrative, or at least the narrative that I seem to find in this space a lot is the narrative of fearlessness is the goal. Mm -hmm. Let's try to be fearless. Mm -hmm. Let's try to, you know, Feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, all, totally respect all of those messages. Just, mm -hmm. I discern between that and my fundamental philosophy, which is that fearlessness is not possible. It's a fallacy. And the key is to embrace the fear, to befriend it, to know that it's your greatest ally. It's like your ruby slippers, seriously. Like once you get, you understand and unpack it and take agency of those fears, 
then you open everything up for yourself. So that's how I sort of differentiate my message is, no, we're not overcoming. We're not battling. We're not fighting fear. We're we're having a big old hug, you know, understanding where it comes from. And then that's the key to to building a courageous path in our lives. Yeah, because it's sort of like embracing that little scared child. Yeah. And letting her know as the adult that she's safe. Yeah. That, you know, the fear, um, it's okay. You know, and even so for me as a practitioner of law of attraction and teacher, you know, I, there would be so many times when I, especially um, at different stages and I would have a fear come up and I would think, oh, I've got to push this down. You know, this isn't good. I don't want to focus on my fear. And then it was taking me longer to get over it because I was pushing against it. Right. So when I said, it's okay. If I need to cry my eyes out today, that brings relief. And, I, you know, I, instead of pushing away my fear, like you said, starting embracing it and saying, yes, you're here. I acknowledge you. Thank you. And now what do we do with it? You know, now, now, we're now what? Yeah, exactly. The strategies that you're, you're talking about. So what are, can you give us uh, an idea of like the strategies that you're talking about or even? Yeah. Yeah. So the, what I teach is called the fear formula. And that acronym stands for find, enlighten, accept, and reframe your fear-based thinking. So one of the, one of the strategies that I teach in, in throughout this, there's many, um, but one that is extremely helpful and powerful for clients and groups too, um, is called fear fact versus fear fiction. So I do an exercise with people where I recount, I give them like an anecdotal, you know, um, scenario, like two people talking and I write it out and it's just, and then I ask them to identify the fact and identify the fiction. And there's two columns and it's fascinating. And so just a quick back of the envelope, like, so two, you know, these two women that, you know, one invites the other to dinner and then the other one cancels at the last minute because she got a headache and there's this whole thing. And when people identify the fact and then the fiction, the fiction column is always longer. But when we are in these situations where we have an exchange with someone, our feelings are hurt or we are creating so many narratives like, oh, she canceled because of this. She didn't really want to go with me in the first place. And blah, 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 blah. it goes on and on and on. And the fiction is just the stories. Like we're making all these stories. And I find a lot of aha moments when people are like, oh my gosh, that isn't a fact really. Uh, the only fact was she canceled the thing. She canceled it. Everything else, I made it up. And then what do we do? Because this is called cognitive bias and there's tons written about it. We look around for evidence that what we think is correct. And then we convince ourselves it's true. But that exercise I do with people, the fact and fiction is always, it's just a great, like I get a lot of big eyes, like, wow, I really did make a whole lot of things up, didn't I? (laughs) And, And then they can, and then I ask them to sort of apply this to their own life, you know, to a recent exchange they had that may have been uncomfortable or whatever. And it's, it's always really effective. 
Yes, I actually remember you talking in Ladies Power Lunch one day on the on the program, and um, I, I enjoyed that um, so much. Um, gave me some ideas for a blog post. So Good. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. You. <laughs> uh, you never know where where you're um, where you're going to reach people. And, and what's gonna that's uh, so true them. and I get so excited when it's helpful to to somebody like I'll get notes that you know I did that and it was an eye-opener or it was a game changer I mean that's just that there's nothing better you know than yes. when people can shift their trajectory a little bit absolutely because yeah I absolutely it's like when you when something happens like that your brain just starts going at warp speed, making up stories that, like oh. you said, aren't even true. Oh, and we do it all day, every yes. day. I mean, we yes. do it all the time and we all do. It's not, there's nothing wrong. Like it's just natural because yes. humans are hardwired to be predictors, to be like analytical. That's how we survive. Like we have to, oh, well that happened then. It might happen again. Okay, the tiger lives there. Let me not go back there. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is all our evolution as a species. It's nothing to be, it, it's not a, I'm not, it's not a criticism. It's just like when, as society has gotten more complex, so have all these thought processes and so have these stories that we write, right? I mean, we could have a whole, a whole show, Marianne, right, about social media and the stories we write about other people's posts and how, you know, great they are and how perfect their lives are, right? So these are narratives. So it, the whole, the strength comes in having the awareness to notice the thought instead of believe the thought. So don't believe everything you think is a mantra that I teach all the time because they're just, they're just choices you're making, you know, and stories that you're. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and do you see that really pick up kind of like that? You were talking about social media and you're you're applying your life at the worst moment to somebody's like really polished, filtered, you know, story or photograph. Do you see that yes. your fear kicks in because of that comparison? Oh, heavens. Yes. And I will tell you, you know, recently I've been on, on Clubhouse a lot and, and running rooms yeah. there. And I'm hearing a lot about, you know, FOMO, about imposter syndrome, about, oh, well, this one has, you know, a thousand followers. And, you know, why am I even trying to launch this business? Because there's so many people doing the same thing. And it's mm -hmm. all, and again, I go back to, okay, let's look at the facts, right? The, every, social media posts are everyone's private reality show. Yeah. You know, there's very few people who are going to post, wow, I am having a terrible day and everything's going wrong. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Exactly. So getting back to facts and getting back inside and not looking for external validation, you know, it, it, it's a common denominator. Yes. 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 I like that you mentioned it. It's that internal validation. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful to have external, external validation yeah and i think we all need that but we have to start inside yeah we're not if we're not uh seeing ourselves for who we really are the truth of who we really are you know not believing like you said not believing every thought you think kind of thing um do you also see people with fears around their like that um stress that fight flight or freeze 
syndrome, you know, they, they react to a fear differently than somebody else. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that is a uh, differentiation that I make very early in my teaching. Um, I, I actually do a little presentation about the science of fear because it's extremely important for people to understand how their brain operates. So when you're in fight or flight, it originates, the, the pathway originates from a different part of your brain entirely than the you know anxious sort of mulling, marinating fears. So when you see, or when I see a spider, my brain goes to the amygdala, which are two little almond-shaped structures mm -hmm. on either side of your spinal cord, right? That's fight or flight. That's an entirely different pathway than when, you know, you're having the conversation with your friend and you're feeling the ick factor, whatever that is that you're not liking. That's in your cortex. That's in your logical brain. Mm -hmm. So when your amygdala is engaged, guess what happens? Your logical brain doesn't work too well. Right. right. Because why we're, we're not wired so that we will weigh our options when there's a car coming at us in the road. We are wired to get out of the way without thinking or when you put your finger on something hot, you're not going to think, hmm, this is hurting. Should I stop? No. You So different parts of the brain entirely. So that's a great point you're making it in amygdala brain. You're an you're in a lizard brain. It's very different and you're not using your logic. So I don't really I'm not really working on those type, types of fears. I gotcha. 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 Yeah, because then sometimes it's just exposure. Like then, you know, there's exposure therapies or there's different things that can really help curtail that or desensitize you a little bit. But that's like a different sort of a different branch of, you know, of right. fear. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I just didn't know if there was a connection with what you do as far as as far as with your clients. So is there, I don't know, sort of a phrase or something that would encapsulate your work, what you do, um, the the message that you send so that people can retain that? Because there's, you know, just like your little mantra, I, I love that, you know, don't believe everything you think. Those are just great tools to keep in our tool chest to remind, remind ourselves when we get forgetful. Yeah. Know? Yes. I love that one. I have it on plaques. I give it to everybody, you know, yeah. <laughs> but the, 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 the sentence is really what I chose as my tagline for my business, which is if you can find your fear, you can find your way. Um, that really says it all as far as I'm concerned, because Finding it is the first step. And once you do, the rest, it just unfolds, right? You do the work, you unpack it, you understand it, you accept it and take agency of it. And then you can shift it. And um, there's a lot of power in that. So yeah, find your fear, find your way. I love that. And that is so true. You know, there's there's so much that that we don't need to, take stock of, we do need to identify. And I am a huge proponent of journaling. So to me, what has helped me is to be able to go back to old journals and then watch the progression, watch the, the, um, the, the unfolding of new thoughts, new ideas, new beliefs, you know, where maybe I did let go of a fear and then my life shot forward in improvement or, you know, a, a fear-based belief or my fear-based thinking or something. So do you encourage 
your clients to journal or, you know, write down they, so they can yeah. see their own progress. Oh, yes. Now, now it's my version of journaling. So I, I, I have my clients are doing a lot of writing and a lot, a lot of language focus, right? A lot of my work is language focused because words are reinforcing thoughts, right? That can then turn into behaviors. Um, a lot of the work I do, a lot of the worksheets, a lot of the exercises are based around writing. So not the traditional, you know, journaling every day or just sharing thoughts, although that's what a lot of people do find helpful. Gratitude journals are different kind of journals. This, the stuff that I kind of focus on is, for instance, I'll give you an example. One thing I have clients do is a free write exercise where they put their pen to paper and set a timer and cannot lift the pen from the paper for two minutes mm -hmm. and they write don't no grammar no just can't lift it just it it's it's really different than formula formulating sentences mm -hmm. right you're just dumping it's a download and it's a different you're, you're actually shutting down half of your brain like it's it's a different thing altogether there's science behind it but those activities you know sometimes i get funny looks those activities are extremely powerful. Like at the end of two minutes, which can feel like an eternity. But I say, even if you write, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. I don't know. It just do it. And then stuff comes out. And, you know, that that's an that's an example of sort of my version of journaling. Another one is I, I create with clients something called a word bath where they write down 10 to 20 words that describe the worst feelings they have in their skin mm. and then i have them write the opposite word times 10. so if it's you know meek then it might the opposite might be you know bold or if it's small the opposite will be huge you know whatever it is whatever it is for that person and then that opposite times 10 list becomes their word bath that they recite to themselves two to three times a day for a week and 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 words but language, the power yes. of it, yes. because it, you know, it has us firing different neurons and then those neurons get stronger and then the other neurons don't fire as much. And this is how I, I got through my eating disorder, which plagued me till I was in my forties from 15 to 40. I did these things with my son and, and got through. Now the science was not in my favor. When you, when you're struggling with an eat, disordered eating, or an eating disorder, they're different. I had both for 30 years that the statistics are not great that you're going to lick it, right? Right. So words, these strategy, I mean, it just makes a difference because your brain changes. You change your wiring, neuroplasticity, we know it's a thing. So your brain changes. How, do, do people really know how much they can change their brain's wiring? I don't think they do. That's why these things are always so, you know, I get, such excited like aha wow i didn't know you had the power all along right just yeah. like dorothy <laughs> that's right that's right i yeah. love that yeah i'm such a i i am so intrigued with language so so many times i just actually even read more slowly because i want to understand every sentence why did they say the sentence that way i want to understand what i'm reading so um, I, I, I love that you focus on specific words because words make a difference. They carry a vibration. Yes. They carry the emotion behind it. That's 
causing that momentum to build. Yes. And sometimes I think, you know, the fact that I've been a writer for 25 years and then I had my personal journey that I did, that that was just how it all kind of came together. Because, you know, an important message for the listeners is like there may be people out there are thinking about, you know, starting a new business or thinking about, you know, you know, changing something in their life or their kids are launching and they don't know what the next chapter is or whatever the thing may be. But when when people hear this and they think, wow, so maybe I am getting in my own way and I can change that. That's just that that's the greatest just thinking about people getting some inspiration from that just makes me feel so fulfilled and, yes, and happy. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So you were talking about you're an author. Yes. Correct. Yes. So can you tell us about whatever book you've written? I'd be interested in that. Yes, I wrote uh, in, as I said, you know, I raised a child with special needs. So in uh, 2004, I, um, I wrote a book about parenting him. And the reason I did, and I was hesitant to do it, uh, he was a young, you know, young boy at the time, and I didn't want this to be looming, you know, for him. But the uh, the neuropsychologist that we we saw, who was a really a trailblazer in his particular disorder, said, "You're a writer. There's no books about this that parents can relate to. It's all clinical data. Think about writing a book." So I wrote this book. It's called "The Special Kind of Brain." And uh, it was intended to help um, other parents, you know, navigate this this disorder. And it, it has been a, a, a remarkable journey, you know, because it has helped a lot of parents understand their children better, feel less alone. So it was a labor of love. I'm glad I did it. Having said that, you know, my son is now, you know, 26, you know, just grown into a fabulous human, happy person, you know, doing extremely well in his life. And sometimes I'm kind of like, oh, sorry, <laughs> but, but it, it's been, it's been a great help and he's proud of it now. I think, you know, at the time it was a little dicey. Sure. 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 I, I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, sometimes you think, you know, how will people react like that? But Sometimes it's kind of a, you know, a pride thing too. I mean, I would be proud of you if you were my mom and you got me through that. And now I'm a happy, healthy young person. I think he is. I think he is. But I, I just, you know, you just, I, and I remember while I was writing it, somebody said to me, an author that I respected said, just remember, he's, he's going to be a grown up one day. So whatever you write down, just be mindful. And that was really great advice. I was. Yeah. I imagine so. Hmm. So would you like to tell us anything else about your your work with clients or on this topic around, um, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I what I would like to share uh, with the listeners is that I have uh, created an online course uh, that includes the strategies, all the strategies we've been talking about today. And it's called the fear formula, how to get unstuck and lean into courage. I'll be launching that probably at the end of May. Um, and it's a six module self-paced evergreen course um, where people, you know, go through, you know, and do all the exercises. There's two, there will be two group Zoom calls 
a month that I will oversee. So if people have questions and that's sort of a community aspect to it. Um, and I will be launching that and I'm very excited about it. Uh, so if that resonates with anyone or that sounds interesting, they can find uh, find that through my website, which I'm, I'm sure will be in the show notes. It will. And her website is Nancy R burger.com. And yes, it will be in the show notes. So your course is called the fear formula. Mm -hmm. And so is that this is, a? it includes some coaching call or some, some group calls, group calls, right? There's no, there's no private coaching aspect to the course. So what I'm finding is that, you know, how I structured it is I did videos, I did different presentations, there's PDF, there's there's lots of different collateral and course content people can download and they can work and use over and over again. I think the group Zoom calls are a really great um, adjunct because people can ask questions and kind of like get a, you know, feel like they're in a part of a community. But because it's fear and it's very personal, I want to be involved when there's groups and people are talking. In fact, in the course, I have people sign a confidentiality agreement. I have people sign an agreement with self. Like I set this up so we're all understanding and respectful that this is really deep stuff. And sometimes it can bubble up icky feelings. And we, you know, whatever you hear on these calls stays on the calls kind of thing. So, yes. yeah. Yeah, you create that that safe container yes of support so yes yes and yeah. some people some people don't want that at all and they just want a private they just want private coaching and of course i do that also mm -hmm. um and i work with you know corporate teams and sales teams and and i facilitate workshops and and when things are a little more normal i'll be doing that again on site but for now it's just all virtual yes <laughs> Won't it be nice to go back in, in person? Yes. For these retreats and workshops and meetings. And yeah. so looking forward to that. Me too. I think that even that can bring up a lot of fears. Oh my gosh, yes. What are you dealing? What are you dealing with? With clients with dealing with these fears around all this shutdown and fear mongering that's out there. Yeah, it's yes. And and as we when we were talking before the show, you know, I just did a workshop on how to have a discussion about whether or not you're vaccinated or your feelings about yes. vaccination. All of these things are just, you know, so sticky right now, right? Because there's so much emotion and there's so much meaning attached to different things. And there's a lot of polarization and there's a lot of stuff. So it, it, it's it's interesting because right now it's at a fever pitch for sure, but the strategies are the same. You know, yeah. a lot of you know communication is about conversation, not monologue, right? You know, mutual respect, kindness, compassion, disagreement is okay. Kindness, compassion, respect. So the strategies are the same, but it it is like a it, it's really that workshop, I remember so much energy and emotion, right? So, you know, I, and some people are having a lot of fear around just returning to anything social, doing anything, you know, not the thought of not wearing a mask just makes them. So again, a lot of times I go back to let's, what are the facts? Let's, let's just stay with the facts. 
what what's your risk profile what's your bubble that you're operating in what you know what do you but getting the nerve and then breathing getting the nervous system to calm down getting in belly breath right i do a tongue relaxation exercise tapping you know the haven tech all of these things to help until they get their nervous system calmed down the rest is going to be sort of futile so yeah i have to work all these things together yes <laughs> I can imagine, I can imagine you have a lot of, of, of fear-based thinking around, around what's been happening over the last yeah. more than a year now, I guess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. More than, and you know, people with young children and then there, there's just so many different factions, so many different, you know, groups of people that are experiencing things in a different way. And, 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 and it's, it's hard to see. That's what I mean when I say the suffering, you know? What started out for me was work to help people feel better in their lives. I basically like went right into the pandemic in my first year of operation. And, you know, you can imagine it was pretty timely, but also in many ways, not different. It, the strategies work in the same way. It, it's just right now, it's a very emotional time for people, a very scary time. I'm curious, do you, with with the fears that you're seeing through the pandemic and everything and the political arena and everything that's gone on in the last year um do you see a decrease in health in some of your clients has there been has, has there been things that shown up signs that, that yes their bodies really stress it out yes yes um without a doubt mental health and physical health, which are all, you know, combined anyway, that you, it's really difficult to separate them. But, you know, the basic, the more basic thing is just people being isolated yeah. and in, and kind of inert. So, you know, not going to the gym and not, you know, doing the regular, not following the regular rhythm of their life. And so getting sedentary, getting lethargic, getting depressed, getting heavier, getting, you know, stiff, those, pretty basic things but then the more complicated is stuck in the house with people family members partners that there's issues that weren't addressed and that that certainly through you know cast a lot of light on issues in relationships right so then that starts a whole other conversation because you can't you know a lot of people do a lot of things to get away from each other so now you're in the house and you can't, so it's facing those things, facing, you know, situations and relationships that aren't working. Is it serving me? The fears about, well, I can't leave or I don't want to leave or I digging into that. Why? And uh, it, 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 there's a lot going on for people. So I think this has been a triggering event for sure in many ways. It kind of makes you think, you know, when there's been mm, baby booms after stress. Um, but I wonder if there's also divorce booms. Yeah, I would. Uncoupling, I would uncoupling booms or. Mm -hmm. I think we have yet to see. Right, the data will be interesting. But if I had to guess, I would say there might be yes. Um, yeah. So, but again, it's like when people have to take a look at themselves and say, well, what am I, 
you know, am I sleepwalking? Am I paying attention to my life? Am I living in the, am I mindful of, 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 you know, what's going on in here and in here? And, you know, it's, that can be a tough journey, but the, obviously the first step is just accepting that you want to make that change. Right. Right. <laughs> so we talk a lot about intuition and that kind of thing, our guidance from our inner beings. Is that anything like that included in with the parameters of what you do? What reminded me, what made me think of it was that you were talking about that writing exercise where they have to lift, they can't lift their hand off the page, yeah. off the page. And um, that reminds me of just a, there's um, a, a writing exercise. That's an intuitive thing because like you said, y- it shuts off part of your brain so that this can flow. Right. Is there, is, do you see any of that? Is that, uh, yes, it's an intuitive uh, uh, guidance an inner guidance. There is an aspect of that. It's interesting because I was, when I was moderating a room on clubhouse a couple of weeks ago, somebody asked a question. She said, what is the difference like between fear-based thinking and into intuition? Like if I have a feeling that something wrong is going to happen if I do this thing, then it is, is it really a fear? So I know it's slightly different than what you're asking, but it reminded me of that. And I said, well, I think intuition and fear are two horns on the same goat. Mm -hmm. So, which resonated with her because it's, it, it, I think it is absolutely part and parcel, right? When we are tapping into our own feelings, whatever they are, good, bad, or or otherwise, right? When we're tapping in there, we're going to access our intuition, right? It's difficult to say which is raising its hand first, but I think it's extremely important to just be open to that. and, and, And again, the free write exercise does, it sort of forces you to be a little more open and not, not, not engage that logical thought that could sort of obscure other things. So yes, I, I think it's all, it all melds together and it sort of works its magic for sure. Absolutely, that's beautiful. So let me remind you all that she has uh, the course, the fear formula coming up and you will find it on her website, nancyrberger.com. And uh, we'll put that in the show notes. So do you have any words of wisdom you would like to close us out with? Don't believe everything you think. That's the best I've got because that can make the biggest difference in your life. Absolutely. That is in my notes that I took when you were speaking uh, the last time I heard you. So I remember writing that clearly in big letters across the page. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. So I want to thank you all for joining us on this episode of Dynamic Thriving Podcast. And as always, please like, comment, and be sure and leave us a five-star review if you are so inclined. And be sure and subscribe because this helps our message and our work uh, go around the world and bring more joy And as always, also, you are invited to visit our website, maryannpack.com, for all of our services and offerings. And remember, you are joy looking for a way to express.